Hello and welcome to Need to Know, your weekly baking podcast covering everything from the hottest trends in entertainment and baking to trusted expertise on your favorite pastime. I'm your co-host, Gina Brazau, s'mores obsessed and amateur baker at best. As always, I'm joined by professional chef, cookbook author, and the creator of Bigger Boulder Baking, Gemma Stafford. Hi, Gemma. Hi, Gina. How are you? I'm grand. How are you? Doing well. Learning a lot as always. Um, (laughs) We're going to dive right in. So our first hot from the oven topic is a cake. It's called the Queen of Sheba cake or the Reina de Sabas. I don't know if it was from the HBO's new Julia Child series. Oh, no, I don't know what this is. So I did a little bit um, of research. So it's been uh, basically if you guys haven't seen it, there's a new HBO series about Julia Child and apparently this was the first French cake that she ever ate. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, and it's a standby in French cooking. So basically, let me make sure I get this. It's intricately layered. Um, it's fudgy. It's moist. Uh, bake time is relatively short, which I have some questions for you about cakes and bake time. Um, and then she basically recommended less than a half an hour for cooking it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're talking about the key to the texture is an easy meringue. So you make it by beating egg whites, sugar until st- the peaks form. Um, They get folded into a mixture of melted chocolate, um, pulsed almonds, and then I believe it's some more dry ingredients. Can you tell me the name of that again? Yes. So the Queen of Sheba Cake or Reina de Sabas. Let me pull up a... Yeah. I've literally never heard of this. Really? Yeah. Oh, good. We're getting into something. So here it is. Here's like a picture of... Oh, I just Googled it. Oh, perfect. Um, I've n- never in my life really? come across this. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Oh my goodness, yes. So this is my question. Have you ever baked it? No. No, <laughs> obviously. We know that now. Never even had it. And then they were saying that this was the first French cake that um, Julia Childs ever ate. Do you remember what your first cake that you ever baked? Like your first... I guess not like a vanilla or chocolate. What was like the first like really difficult cake that you tackled? Oh, gosh. Or an early one that you remember tackling and you're like, wow, I'm really proud of myself. I I got that done. Yeah. I used to make a lot of chocolate cakes, which was just like chocolate sponge. Oh, delish. Um, We used to make a lot of sponge. Like growing up in Ireland, you'd make a lot of like sponge cakes. Yeah. Um, What is a difficult... You know, honestly, I usually shy away from difficult cakes. I will tell you that we just did... Uh, or we're sorry, we're, we're doing it right now. The cake month for the Academy. Mm. That's like my dream month. <laughs> and it, we made um, a marjolaine. What which is, is that? It's a French, it's another French. It's like an opera cake. Have you ever had opera cake? No. It's, um, it's, it's similar, but different. It is like multi-layered cake. It's not even round. It has to be like this huh. oblong shape, which Ooh. makes it even harder to make. <laughs> and um, there is like... Three different types of fillings and a, and then a coat, a different coating that goes over it. And it's, it's a lot of work. Is it a special pan or are you like trimming it? No, no, it? you have to trim it. It's oh, all no, about, no, yeah, no. it's precision. It is like, it is, it's very detailed. So we made it for, it was our challenge yourself recipe for mm-hmm. the Academy. The, the results are really good. It was amazing. Like oh, it good. tasted amazing. But um, like we, we, uh, for those of you who don't know who are not part of the academy, we do uh, three different videos in a month. One of them is 
Simply Delicious, which is the first one, which was kind of your introduction recipe, a little bit easier. Then we do Step It Up, challenging ourselves a little bit more. And then the last week is is challenge yourself with a harder recipe. So um, it was like, it was not easy. And like, you had to make a French butter cream uh, which was absolutely gorgeous, and then you make this hazelnut de quoi. Mm. So it's 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 What's it's, a de quoi? It's, it's a hazelnut uh, meringue, very thin cake. Which the reason when you said about the Queen of Sheba cake, I, I think it's it's similar, but the Queen right. of Sheba cake is thick. This yeah, one's it does. Very thin. It does look thick. Yeah. How long does that cake take? The one that you're talking from the academy? Oh, minutes because it's super thin. So this is. I was thrown by this cake time, and so. For me, I think cake and I'm like, oh, 45 minutes on like 350. It's not, is it, there's really that varying, like a pavlova, what's, what's that cooking at? Well, that's low and slow. Remember, like we talked right, about right, last right, week. Right, 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 um, But this is meringue cake. And so it's short. I don't know. Well, I, I've never made, I don't really know about this cake. Yeah. We're going to have to look more into this. Um, my other question going off of like bake times and things, how do you know when a cake is done? Like for meringue, mm-hmm. it's. A slightly golden? Um, you know, meringue is, is a funny one because you can't stick a, a toothpick into it and check. Right. Because this the center is supposed to be soft, mm-hmm. a little bit sticky, and then you, you also and then you have a hard shell on the outside and you can't stick anything through it or you ruin your meringue. Right. So um it's supposed to release from the parchment paper and like, you know, but you, you never like really lift a little. Yeah. Okay. Like you never with meringue, you don't always hundred percent know exactly what's going on no. on the inside. Um, and if you follow like the recipe and you follow all the steps, yeah, yeah, usually yeah. you'll get the like perfect amount of like crispy on the outside, soft in the middle. But it's, it always is a bit of a guessing game. For your regular cakes, like the chocolate sponge you're talking yeah. about, do, can you do a toothpick or a knife? Do or? toothpick. No, okay. don't do a knife because oh. they're thick. No, no, and yeah, I'm not yeah, saying yeah. like I've done knives many yeah, times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, when, but the only reason you don't do a knife is because they're thick and it will leave a, it mark. will leave a mark on your cake. Okay. So do a toothpick. Well, I don't, I don't generally have toothpicks. I have um, skewers for like making mm-hmm kebabs and stuff Mm -hmm. so um i use a skewer and they're longer so it's easier it's easier yeah because it's a little tricky when you're doing it with the tooth yeah so a skewer i think is is the best way to go about it you can also buy like these little have you ever seen them these cake testers no little um metal uh they have a little like plastic handle a little something on top to hold on to and then it's just like a piece a long piece of metal and you just put it in they're like they're they're useful yeah that's good to have yeah my next question is also, we're going to be talking about some dough. And when I first met you, we had talked about your secret for like the chocolate chip cookie, which we've touched upon, which we now know is olive oil to make a chewy. To make it gooey. Yeah. And chewy. I and can't chewy. remember. Chew- no, gooey. Gooey. Yeah, yeah. Is the olive oil. So then I read apple cider vinegar could help your dough, which yeah. I had never heard of. It says that also, it's a very common feature in vegan dough because um, you obviously you can, you don't have like the beaten eggs to provide the aeration of the dough. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, it says that you can use apple cider vinegar for the same effect. Um, do you think – so basically, have you done this and what do you prefer? What what dough are you talking about? Are you talking about pie crust? This is talking about – let's see. Vinegar – it says vegan cookie dough. Um, oh, cookie dough. Yeah, this one said... Oh, sorry, I missed that. Yeah, this one was a feature of vegan cookie dough. I've never heard that before. And then 
This might be talking about regular pie crust, Joe, because it says vinegar acts to baking soda. The two produce carbon dioxide, which gives cookies and other baked goods yeah. a little lift. You don't have raising agent in pa- in pastry, so right. um, so it is. Yeah, you're talking about cookie dough. No, I've, honestly, Never this heard is news of it, to me, which I thought was interesting. So I'm like olive oil genius, like that. I love. Yeah. Um. So if someone wanted, we now know for like the gooey one, you recommend olive oil. What about like a cakier cookie? Cakey cookie is an interesting one. For that, for the way I've uh, got, oh, so there's a few different things. Yeah. I whip the butter and the sugar first. With my chewy, gooey cookies, uh-huh. it's melted butter and sugar or melted sugar into like butter. Right. And then you stir them together. For my cakey ones, I whip up the butter and the sugar really well first. Like oh. you would like a sponge cake or a Madeira right. cake or something like that. But for my uh, cakey cookies, what I do is... I am, so uh, people often ask about the differences between baking powder and baking soda. Mm -hmm. I have no baking soda in my chewy or my cakey cookies. I only use baking powder because baking powder is what gives you that cakier texture. Yeah. And it's interesting too, because so for me, when I'm like listening, you take out baking powder, baking, switching out like olive oil, how does someone... Is it an even trade? Like, how do you know when to swap something out? Like for olive oil, for example, are you taking out vegetable oil and is it even? It's a good, it's a good question. Um, so the olive oil is not, so with my cookie, for that cookie recipe, yeah. it's not a hundred percent olive oil. It's um, butter and a little bit of olive oil. Okay. So I, I get what you're saying though. Because um, with like, the apple cider vinegar, I was interested because I'm like, well, are you taking something out? I honestly, I would have to know more about that recipe. Yeah. So you're saying it's in replace of eggs? Baking the two together. Well, in in vegan cookie dough, it's often I, honestly, replacing eggs. that is news to me. But in this one, yeah, it basically said that it just provided a, a lift for yeah because of the baking soda right it's because so i'm wondering if you could replace the baking soda with it no because no it's not the same as baking soda okay so, so it's a bit the the vinegar is I'm, I'm surprised to hear that it replaced eggs i have to say i have a bit of a question mark over that i don't really understand that apple cider vinegar it's a common feature of vegan cookie dough which can't rely because you don't have the eggs in it so they're saying that the apple oh, cider vinegar so provides lift. The, the lift Oh, that the I eggs got normally you. would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So the the reason that they're using vinegar, they could also use probably lemon juice. Yes, that ba- was my other question. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they um yeah, or and it doesn't happen to it doesn't have to be apple cider vinegar. It can be uh white wine white, vinegar. Yeah. Uh, not malt vinegar or anything like that, not for your fish and chips. But <laughs> um <laughs> the Oops. the uh baking soda. Mm-hmm. needs an acid to react and uh, sorry to activate okay so it will do its job and it will puff up and it will work when it's there's an acid introduced and v- vinegar is that acid and that's what will give you that rise mm-hmm. this see this is what i appreciate because you always give me the science behind it too i hope i'm right no i really appreciate that because i'm like okay now the reactions make sense well you know what's funny we just did today um zach was here and we did a whole pile of tiktok videos and yeah. one of them because a question we get asked a lot is um can i like can i just like what's the difference between baking powder and baking yeah, like, soda like can you can i swap use, it out like can yeah. i just use one for one right, like right. if i don't have one can i use the other you know gina you know the way you do that i did this because mm-hmm. like, i'm guilty of this you're big time yes, guilty of it absolutely but you can't they're they're two very they're, they're two they're both raising agents fact right but they are activated 
differently. See, this is what is important to understand. So it's not just they react differently, they activate differently. So baking powder needs some sort of liquid to help it activate and do its job. Okay. Baking soda, you can put it into liquid, Mm -hmm. but it's not going to do anything. Right. When you introduce an acid to that liquid. Like the apple cider vinegar. Exactly. That's when it activates. So interesting. So that's why when you have buttermilk pancakes, you'll always see baking soda in there. When you see something with yogurt, sour cream, buttermilk, uh, soured milk or something like that, you'll always see baking soda because it need, those need to work hand in and hand. And they create that like the puffiness, the, the texture, right? Yeah. Okay. See, this is, I'm learning a lot. We're going to keep talking about some cookies. Um, I was, I want to get your take on this because obviously you are the trained professional. Basically, we're going to go through some of the mistakes that everyone makes and where your stance is, if you have any stories of things that you've done that you have now learned from mistakes that you've made. I guess mine would be, as we talked about last week, greasing pans properly, like cookie sheets properly. Um, So this first one, which we touched upon a couple weeks ago, is not checking the quality of your ingredients. And I remember you had mentioned how to make sure your eggs were fresh. Yeah. Um, And so here's my thing. If I'm in the kitchen and I see that my flour is like a little expired, yeah, right, is it going to make that big of a difference? You know, that's a really good question. Because I've run into this problem before, right, where I'm making like cookies from scratch or something and I go into my pantry and I'm like, oh. Like how, I think the question is how is important, how important is it for your ingredients to be fresh? Is yes. that what you, yes. what you asked me, yes. right? Yes, So what's going to happen if you are working with old flour? Mm-hmm. Um, is it the end of the world? Like I'm guessing no. No. The one thing about flour hanging around longer, I, I from just from what like I know is uh, like little mites and things that can like oh, appear. yeah. So um, keep them in. So you do try, like I, I buy it in, in, in 25 pound bags because we have to, we go through so much. My, my recommendation is if you don't bake that often, yeah. um, buy, do small batches Okay. and you go through it all mm-hmm. and keep them in airtight containers. Yeah. So nothing can get in there. But um, this is, and this is important, um, empty out, use all your flour, empty out your container, give it a little bit of a rinse out or wipe out even, don't have to get it wet. Then put in your new bag of flour in. Don't add in flour oh. on top of flour. Oh, don't because do then you have your old yeah. at the bottom yeah. and it, you're just, it's not creating a good no. system. So just have like, just, it's just good practice. Like we did it, I, I learned how doing it in kitchens. Mm-hmm. It's just, I do it I, like right now in my kitchen, we just did a pantry video. Um, for we just went through my pantry um, the best, on YouTube. Best videos. And in my pantry, I um have these tubs that I got on Amazon, and I I said to the designer, the, the cabinet maker, I need three of these to live side by side, and to be like off the. I need them to be like on wheels and to be able to wheel them in and out of the cupboard. So awesome! Yeah. And one of them is for flour, one of them is for sugar, and then one of them is for waffles dog food. They're oh my God. sealable. They have um, rubber rims, yeah. so nothing can get in or out. Mm-hmm. And um, it keeps them dry, keeps them safe. And then, like I said, when I get to the end, the rule is empty every single bit of it out, give it a bit of a wipe and then put in your new bag. And that's a really good point because I guess also the moral of this story is invest in good, good working um, storage containers, right? mm, I'm going to tell you a little secret. Okay. I, so 
I so I tell you, I got this idea. In kitchens, we have these tubs, right? right? In right. industrial kitchens, yeah. That they are for they're for flour and stuff. We use them a lot, and you can wheel them all around the kitchen. And that's why I have mine here. It's really it's really useful. When I went on Amazon to buy the food tubs, mm-hmm. they were like a hundred dollars, and oh, they were wow. small, and they weren't the size that I yeah, wanted. Yeah, yeah. But I already had this food container for waffles that was the perfect size, fit a twenty-five pound a bag of flour, and it had a sealable. So you just bought rim. more of those. But the other ones, the food ones, didn't have didn't have a rubber sealable yeah. rim, which was bizarre to me because the whole point of these. And the lids um, in the kitchens, I don't know why, but you have to be able to get in and out of them all day long. Mm-hmm. So the lids just came right off. Right. So I was like, why? And these dog food containers were $17. This is such a good hack, Gemma. So I looked into like, you know, is it okay for me to do this? Yeah. And like put, and like I, I didn't find any reason why not. No, and, totally. Um, they're really handy. They're the exact size that I need and they keep everything like off the ground, dry and safe. And and, they, and now they're all great. uniformed, so they're, they're all it matches. Up, it all matches. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I love that. Well, that was our good tip for quality of ingredients. But our you know, first baking mistake. The what you said is a good question. Like, why shouldn't you bake with old flour, for instance? Yeah. And it's or a good sugar question. Or... Yeah, it's a good question. I'm going to look into that because, okay. like, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? I don't know what the worst thing is going to happen, but there's definitely like maybe the properties of the flour are just not as great as they would have been a few months ago. Right. Yeah. It's an interesting, it's an interesting concept because I just, before like haven't baked, I'm like, well, it's old. I don't know if I can. I will tell you that now that I'm thinking of it. So all purpose flour doesn't like plain white flour doesn't have the same problem, but old wheat flour, whole wheat flour, things like that. You really have to buy that in small batches and use it regularly. Keep it in your fridge Mm -hmm. or keep it in your freezer because they have endosperm and the germ in there, which are higher in fat, which makes it like, um, like a lovely, it makes a good flavor, uh, makes it better for you. You. Mm-hmm. But the thing about it is that fat goes rancid. And if you don't use it, it's uh, just, yeah. open it and use it regularly, it will go bad. And oh then you open God. up the bag one day and there's it's almost like bad, like it's, it's like butter gone rancid in a butter dish. It's like something no. is not right. And no. that flavor doesn't bake out, like it stays there. No. So when it comes to uh, that is something whole wheat flour, you have to be careful. Keep it in the fridge. Okay. That's what I do. That's good to know too, that the difference between the two. Uh, our next common baking mistake is measuring ingredients which Mm -hmm. there as we know a couple different stances on this people scoop it level it off they use a scale and I had questions about the scale so do you use a scale when you bake yeah always and when should should someone just start doing that like an amateur baker should I invest in in a scale so I'm a big fan of scales because in Europe you use scales. You right. do grams and ounces. There's no cups. Mm-hmm. That does that that when I was growing up in Ireland, that was not a thing. When I saw a recipe from America and it said use a cup of flour, I literally and there was no like, internet. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea <laughs> how much what that meant. Right. I didn't know what it, I didn't know what it meant. Right. What's a cup? Yeah. I didn't know what a cup was. Um, so we do all of our recipes in cups, grams, and ounces. So universally they are accessible to to everybody. Yeah. So what do I do? Weighing scales are more accurate, but it doesn't mean that cups aren't accurate. Mm -hmm. It just means that if you're looking for real, real precision down to the point, point, point gram, then, uh, scales. But let me tell you this, um, scales are, they're faster to use. And 
it's cleaner. And I, I'll tell you what I mean by that. So when we, we, we because we bake so much and mm-hmm. we do it in such high volume mm-hmm. and we don't have, I don't have a huge kitchen with a weighing scale. You put your scale, you put your bowl on top of the flat scale. It's like you, reverse tarring that we yeah, talked about. Yeah, it is. Yeah. You put it, exactly. You put in your flour, you tear it. You put in your sugar in the same bowl, you tear it. So you're, you're creating less mess with bowls. Yeah. And you're getting the exact amounts that you need. And it's much faster than uh, doing cups. Cleaner, faster, it's more accurate. Easier. It's more accurate. So for like, I've always used weighing scales. So I'm just, it's I'm much it's faster at doing that. Now, the question you asked was... Um, are they inexpensive? Are they inexpensive, or should you invest in one? Like, when should you should invest? You, when should someone go for it and be like, "I'm going to do this"? Should scale. invest in one. Okay, I do. Um, but the good thing about it is, so I have an OXO digital scale. Mm-hmm. Um, digital scales are a little bit; they're even more accurate, right? Um, so that's nice. But they are a little bit more expensive. My OXO scale was around fifty dollars. Okay. However, I've had it for ten plus years. Wow. But the thing about it is, let me tell you, there's some really great brands on Amazon that do digital scales, and they're around twenty dollars. I think one of them is called like Salty. Mm-hmm. Um, there's 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 a lot of brands. I say read the read the reviews. reviews make sure that it's able for you know. Uh, a lot of weight to be able to put on the bow uh, on the weighing scales at one point. Okay, like not three pounds. Yeah, because then you're then what's you the point? Bowl, you have all right. Yeah, what's the point? Um, so definitely read reviews, but you do not have to pay more than twenty dollars. And then also, let me tell you, for years I still have it. For years, when I started my catering business in San Francisco, I had no money. Mm-hmm. I had no money to start the business. Mm -hmm. I didn't make any money for a while. And I pulled it all together uh, on a wing and a prayer. Mm -hmm. And what I did do when I knew that I was going to start doing this was I went to Goodwill and I got a little uh, weighing scale. Okay. Which I have to fish it out. Oh, I have yeah. to share a picture. Do you still have it? You have have to share it. Yes. So it cost me $3. It was... Uh, you know, in goodwill. So it's been, it has been previously loved. Right. It had a tiny little bowl on the top and it wasn't electric. It was, um, you know, the little, the little, the little thing that goes up and down. Yeah. So a tiny little bowl, but I was doing catering for like 60, 70 people or so. So I was doing, but I was doing it all on this tiny little scale and just doing the bowl over and over again, filling it with flour and whatever. And I did it for years. And, and it worked. It worked. You, you it just worked. make it work. And then one day, one of uh, one day, a friend of mine um, gave me a fifty dollar voucher for William Sonoma, <gasps> which I just thought I like struck gold. gold. Yeah. And I said to myself, I've got to make really good use of this. And I went in and I bought a digital scale, and it changed my life. And I've had it for ten plus years. That's amazing. So you can't, yeah, and I'm sure Amazon definitely has some good ones, but it's good to know because I feel like as an amateur baker, sometimes like parchment paper or scales, like it's a little daunting. I'm like, oh, should, am I qualified to use this? Like, yeah, it just should skills. I go for it? But yeah, I guess I'll just start practicing and it makes more sense. It's like a lot mess free and easier. All right. So we're going to round out with some grain of salt stump gemmas. This first okay. one's a little bit of a multiple choice. Um, so Two of these are right. In addition to baking soda, what would your, or could your bread recipe call for? The options are, you can pick two. Okay. Buttermilk. Yes. Cream. Yes. 
Lemon juice. Yes. Vinegar. And I can pick two of those. Yeah. So buttermilk because it is an acid and it will activate the baking soda. And then the, the funny thing is, is that you need another liquid with an acid in it. Mm-hmm. So you can add one of your vinegar or lemon juice into the cream. Yeah. And then yeah, use yeah, that. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, both of them work. Um, the lemon juice one was what I was, because it's interesting. Like I would never think lemon juice and bread. Yeah, well, you make your own buttermilk. So you do, like, which I have on the website, which is one of our most popular recipes, like day in, day out. Really? You make your own substitute for buttermilk and it is soured. It's milk curdled, since it's soured. It's curdled with uh, vinegar or lemon juice. And lemon juice. And that acid in there is enough for the baking soda. That's so cool. Um, Folding dough. Yes. Does what? This is for bread. Um, What does folding dough do? Oh... Um, so it does, number one, it strengthens, strengthens the dough. You're on top uh, of it. Yeah. So it gives, so it does, it, and you'll notice it straight away as you start to work with the dough and um, you'll see it and it'll just, and it will, it will like instantly start to pull back and yep. take shape and become firmer and stronger. You see it straight away. It also gives you a really lovely texture and a stronger, a stronger texture. Mm-hmm. So when you're, um, uh, it like, it makes your bread stronger. When your dough is rising and creating uh, the gases in the oven, yep. those gases get trapped in now a stronger structure of dough. So you get bigger bubbles. You oh, get more defined nice. bubbles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So by, not, by folding over a dough and what you're, do, what you're doing, what I always thought for years was knocking out air. You're not, you're making it stronger. You're building it. You're building it. And so how long should someone on average fold for? So it's... Um, or does it depend on the bread? No, it depends on the bread. Okay. And honestly, I've done breads here. We did them for the January Academy where I think we folded them like uh, two, uh, two times and uh, like four times each. Okay. So it doesn't have to be uh, six times every half hour. Like you right. can just not you like do a crazy. few folds and it will, it will make totally the difference. Okay. Yeah, because sometimes I feel like... People wonder, like, do I need to fold? Does it have to? No. You should always fold. Yeah. No, no, no. You, should, you don't have to always fold, okay. but it does make a difference and it and really does apply. Um, it's, it's, it is important for uh, some breads more than others. And then also folding isn't like when we think of pastry making right, or anything like that. Yeah. It is, there's a, there's a, a, a kind of a different fold that we do for bread where you don't even have to take it out of the container because you know the way like it's proofed in its bowl. Right. You scoop your hand in underneath, you get a little bit of like oil on your hand and you fold it over on itself a little right, bit. Right, right. And then you inside just set the it bowl. aside inside the bowl. Yeah, so I you wouldn't don't have even like have to take it out and put it on the counter. It's not that kind of totally. folding. Yeah. yeah, that's good to know. Okay, our last one. Okay. You're really on fire today with these. Um, margarine helps your recipe get fluffier. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. I don't know the answer to that. This said that it was a myth. Um, and yeah, that's it said that it was a myth. Um, and it basically said, let me see to double check. Yeah, it was, it was just the top list of things that said it was a myth that margarine does not always make it fluffier. Yeah, the only thing I can think of was if that was true, that it has more liquid than butter than butter fat. So, like, does the yeah, liquid make it? Yeah, and basically, it? they're basically saying that margarine it can be creamed like butter. So it can be creamed it, like butter. It can. Be. Oh yeah, no. When I was young and baking, and I was like six, seven years old, yeah. I used to go through all of my mom's 
uh, Irish butter. Really? All of it. Oh my God. Yes. Like, like, and like she had pounds of it. And I was in the kitchen every night making buns and biscuits and cakes. And one day I opened up the kitchen, opened up the fridge, sorry. Right. And there was a big old tub, uh, and Irish people will know this, of stork margarine in what? the fridge. Like a tub of it? A tub, big old, like two or three pound tub of margarine. And she said to me, this is, this is what you use for baking. Stop right, using my stop good butter. Stop using my good stuff. And uh, this is what you use for baking. And I, so I did. I used it to make all my buns and everything. And I... It's fine. It's, it's, it's fine. I, I'll tell you, it wasn't... I, I didn't... It wasn't long until I realized that the results are different. And I went yeah. back to using her butter. Her butter? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Um, and I just double checked. It said that margarine is a substitute to butter. It is high on water content. Mm-hmm. So yeah. slightly diluting the dough. Yeah. That's so what that's, the only... Yeah. If, if it was true, that's why I would say... I mean... The steam is creating the steam to helping it rise. Like that's all yeah, I don't exactly. know. But uh, listen, margarine like has come a long way since I had a big tub of stork right. in the seventies in the, uh, or yeah. the 80s, in the seventies in the eighties. But um, you know, and sometimes it's people. It's what people have accessible to them. Mm-hmm. So you know, it, either uh, way, I, you're fine. Yeah, you're not going to mess around. No, 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 no. It's fine, yeah. and it, it is a one for one substitute with butter. I would just say, um, maybe just read the pack and um. Let's just read the pack and just be uh, buy the, the best quality yeah. you can. All right. So we have one Ask Gemma to round this out. Um, this one is also from me because I have this question often. What is your go-to homemade frosting recipe? Like your kitchen sink frosting. Because often I'll make like a cake or a cupcake. And I'm like, oh, I just wish I could whip together a frosting really quick. What are like your basic ingredients that you can do that with? Um, I would say what we just did for the academy for okay. the cake month mm-hmm. which was a whipped ganache which is cream and chocolate so easy you you chill it you put it in the fridge a little bit let it cool down you get it to like a thick uh, like a pourable consistency then go in there with a whisk and whisk it until it's thick love it and it's chocolate and so it, I'm it's like sold it's melts in your mouth <gasps> it's really easy to decorate with okay um you do keep it in the fridge mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's really airy because you whipped all this air into it. It's light. It's fluffy. It's not, you know, the way butter, you know, the way buttercream, buttercream. can be either buttery or too sweet. Too buttery. It's, yeah. it's not, it doesn't have either of these things. I love that. So you have like good quality chocolate, good cream. It makes stuff like extra decadent. We did, um, a birthday cake for the cake course and, um, it, it was a huge success. Everyone said they loved the frosting. That is a brilliant frosting and so easy. Like you will always have that stuff yeah. in your baking pantry. And if you don't want, and for the birthday cake that we did, we did it, it was a milk chocolate. We, you don't have to do bittersweet chocolate because this was a birthday cake. So you okay. want to keep it kind of family friendly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can do, you can do a, a, a milkier uh, chocolate with more sugar and less cocoa solids. Okay. As cocoa um, percentage. Yeah, if you don't want as chocolatey you don't want it as dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Maybe okay. if you're doing one for the adults and you're doing a dark chocolate cake, then just like go over the top with cool. like a yeah, dark Yeah, go crazy. Chocolate. Yeah. Oh, good to know. Well, that was awesome. That is everything. We covered a lot again this week. Um, yeah, that was good. As always, you can find me on Instagram at Gina Brazau. You can find Gemma at Gemma underscore Stafford on Instagram and then Bigger Boulder Baking on all platforms. And then also need to know on Instagram, but definitely um, check out. Uh, thank you so much for listening to the podcast, yes, everybody. And we hope you're enjoying it. Keep your questions coming in. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, keep an eye on Bigger Boulder Baking every day because new stuff has been published on a regular basis. And then also, because I know we mentioned the Academy a couple times, Mm -hmm. um, so where can they go to find any of that information? You can go to academy.biggerboulderbaking.com. Perfect. And then also reach out on social media. It's either myself or the team will answer any questions that you have about the Academy. We're more than happy to help. Awesome. Well, thanks for listening, guys, and we will chat next week. Thank you, Gina. Thank you. That was lovely. 